the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez. And before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby. Hello, Mike. Hello, guys. Bobby, it's so good to see you. Likewise. I love it every time you join us. It's just, I know it's going to be that much more special. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and next to him, we've got Mr. Nick Peck. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Rob, Bobby, Bob. <laughs> Rob, Bob, Bobby. Rob, Bob, Bobby, Bob, uh, Rob, Bobby. Yeah, this, Rob. Is, this is yeah. going to be the <laughs> audio podcast. And you'll know why. You'll, you'll know see why. why. In a second. And uh, across the table over here to my left, we've got the one and only Iron Man of the audio. Audio Nowcast, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Rob. Hello, everybody. Hello, all the Robs and Bobs out there. <laughs> and today we have a special guest joining. Can you, can you guess his name? <laughs> <laughs> joining us uh, from uh, up north is uh, Mr. Bob Coover, who's from Groove Synthesis, and they are releasing the third wave synth that we'll talk about. It's amazing. But, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here. And happy to be here, as we said, with so many bobs and rocks. Now, you know, this is going to be a podcast that's a little different because um, we're going to talk about Nam. But in the the second half, we're going to talk about Dave Smith. And, you know, Dave passed away last week, and it was really a a gut punch for me when I found out. It was just, it hit me really hard. Um, But as uh, Nam happened over the weekend and, and things kind of, I had time to think and, and I, I just told everybody, I told the guys, Hey, we're going to do a podcast and we're going to tie it in with Nam because it's really appropriate for our podcast. Because I, I met Dave the first time at Nam. Every time I went to Nam, he was one of the, the, the people that I, I would seek out and would say hi to. And there's a lot of great stories. And I just think it's, it's perfect timing. We're going to celebrate um, Dave Smith and all that he's done for, for all of us, um, you know, with not, only what he's done with synthesizers but with midi and i know he's responsible for my career and i know he's responsible for a lot of careers out there and so that's going to be the format of of today's show but first we got to talk about about nam right and i'm just going to open it up uh, about people some thoughts on nam the first thing i'm going to say i'm just going to say a little bit is it was bigger than I thought it was going to be from all the people that didn't show. I was amazed at how many people did show. Um, and uh, But let me open it up. Bobby. Well, what I heard was it was 60% of normal, and Nam didn't quite break even on it. So that being said, I loved the size. Yes. I loved everything about it, the fact that the booths were a little farther away the aisles were a little wider uh you weren't constantly jostled in the aisle because there were too many people true and still there was plenty of the norm and i didn't miss the big companies that weren't there to be honest with you so i quite enjoyed that part of it uh other than that i just go to nam looking for trends i don't look at particular pieces or manufacturers i look at the overall and one of the trends that jumped out at me was the inclusion of AI in artificial intelligence in many devices that didn't seem to need it. So what ended up happening was sometimes there are perfectly 
wonderful instruments or audio devices that could be manually used, but in fact, there was AI being imposed on it so that would do it instead of you actually doing it. Hmm. And I thought that was a little out there. It was almost AI for AI, AI's sake. That jumped out at me. Wow. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Was there any particular one of those those products that you can mention? Or Oh, there was multiple products, actually. I, and it was both audio and there were a few um, keyboards, actually, that were like that. And um, no, best I not say anything to be okay. honest with you. But, but I understand. But I, you know, that's why I bring it up as a trend because I saw it multiple times. Are you talking about like auto arrangers that like have AI doing different kinds of arpeggiations or chord progressions? Or yeah, and many times, many times it was things that you know a player could do. For instance, that was done for him or her, right. and. In audio, it was quite the same thing. Now, in audio, I can understand a lot of it, and we're really going far fast, and, and you know, some of it's great. But on the other hand, there's some of it that's, uh, I don't know, it's there for its own sake. You know? Sure. Mm-hmm. How about you, Nick? Well, um, I was pretty scared um, to go because I was extremely concerned about COVID, um, and I waited until Sunday to go as a result and I wore a mask the whole time and as a result it, I found it other than having to wear the mask the whole time it was utterly delightful um, I echo uh, what Bobby said the wide the wide rooms um, there was no lines for anything it was just wonderful to be able to really sit and talk to people in depth about the stuff that I was interested in talking to them about which was you know synthesizers um, and so I really I really enjoyed it I hung around the 1010 music booth uh, you know most of the time chit chatting with Aaron Higgins and with uh, you know, uh, the people that, you know, work with him and we just talked about really nerdy stuff all, all the time. And, you know, I just had a great old time. That's fantastic. How about you, Rob? It was so great to see you there. Yeah. I was sort of with Nick on the fence about, do I go, uh, cause of COVID and I was being extra cautious cause I have an upcoming, uh, medical procedure that I didn't want to have to delay because of COVID. But so I went for part of Saturday, I went for about half the day and I, did wear a mask uh, whenever I was inside. I did like, uh, like they were saying, I liked that it was more spread out and not as crowded. I felt like I was able to have better conversations. Um, I was there mostly to catch up with people I haven't seen in person for a few years. Um, and uh, searching out information on some specific gear uh, for myself and for some other people. Uh, so I was there looking at some specific software. I don't want to go into too much detail, but I was able to find some factory reps who really knew their stuff, and I was able to ask some really detailed questions. So it felt like a normal NAMM show, except instead of going for four grueling long days, I went for four hours on one day, and it was nice. <laughs> it was good to see Rob like being normal Rob at the NAMM show. and not being, What is normal Rob? <laughs> no, well, not having to be tied to Stevie at the NAMM show, which that's usually the only time I see you. <laughs> yeah, well, this, this year it worked out great, because I went on Saturday and he went on Sunday, <laughs> and we compared notes, but I did not get... Uh, derailed. Well, that's great. So it was actually good. And I knew I didn't want to spend more than a few hours, so uh, I sort of strategically did that. Well, I'll tell you, the good thing about NAM this year is I got to hang out with uh, with Nick, but 
Uh, one of my highlights is two two highlights, and one I know Nick's going to expand on. But the first thing is, I actually got to show Nick the PMC sixes oh. monitors and oh. why I am so oh. gaga over them. Right? How good did those suckers sound? They sound ridiculously good. And the thing that blew me away was it didn't matter whether I was listening on the bigs or on their small ones. They all just sounded ridiculously good. <laughs> See? Just liquid and gorgeous. I, I And that's, I mean, I, I know on this podcast I've been an evangelist, but it's just because it's so good. It's they really just, are that good. They're they so really are. good. And yeah. it really, it, you just hear things. Um, the other highlight for me uh, was um, actually getting to have my hands on um, Bob's synth, the third wave. And Bob, let me just say, first of all, it's a gorgeous looking synthesizer. And I love all the knobs and it feels great. And and I'm just, it's really exciting when you see um, something like that. And actually Nick turned me on to it. He, you know, yeah. he was talking about it. And then to actually get to see it and get, get to um, play it was just, was just amazing. How was your name, Bob? It was... It was great. Um, it was the most work I've ever done in my life, and I'm so happy I did all that work because <laughs> we, came, we came down. Well, we weren't planning on coming to NAM. I knew Mr. O, Mr. Oberheim, was going to be there. Um, unfortunately, we're going to talk a little later about Dave. I, I, we didn't know he wasn't going to be there. But um, we were not planning on showing the third wave. What happened was um, one of our sound designers, Kurt Kurosaki, I think uh, people uh, know him by PEF, P-E-F-F. He does a lot of great sound design. When Vangelis passed away, he says, i got to put something up for just a little while on my Instagram. I'm going to use the third wave. So he videotaped himself playing the third wave, not even doing wave table synth. He was doing like a CS80 type of thing. And he had it on, I, I, I tell you, no more than an hour, uh, two Sundays before NAM. you know, whenever it was that Vangelis passed away. And bam, everybody and their brother was all of a sudden, you know, up, somebody named Synth Anatomy posted a YouTube video. Then everybody started posting, and they were starting to say that um, various other people ran the company. Um, I mean, there was all kinds of misinformation, but it was crazy. So, uh, at, at our weekly meeting, there's six of us doing this. Um, I said, "We're going to have to have to go to Nam. We, we, we've got to, you know, we've got to set the story straight and show people what this thing is." So. Lo and behold, we, we came down. Um, you guys probably met Andrew at the booth. Andrew is my fabulous embedded engineer who does a lot of great work and also did the sequencer. And, and uh, we were worried the whole way down, I think. What are people going to think? Do we have enough of it done? And it turned out to be a great NAM. And um, I also got to see um, Mr. O, who only lives about four miles from me here. Um, I got to see Mr. Oberheim uh, a couple times over at the booth playing it with me. So that was great. That was that was totally fabulous. Um, but no, and coming all the way over to what Bobby said about AI, I'm going to tie that in as well. You're right. It, it makes me nervous when you use AI to like say I'm going to compose something or what have you. But we're using it inside the third wave 
um, to actually help you make wavetables. And that is something I claim is a good use of AI because it is extremely tedious to sit there and look at a sample and figure out where you're going to cut it up and how you're going to cut it up and how you're going to make a wavetable out of it. So in this case, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, say Bobby, that's a good use of AI <laughs> and a, a good, uh, use of letting it do the work for you instead of you having to waste an hour or two trying to make your own wavetable. But that's one of the key things about this um, groove synthesis uh, uh, third wave is that um, once we've got it completed and it's already working, um, I think if you guys saw some of the videos, you, you could see it doing it, it will make your own wavetables for you. And that's cool. That means, you know, ultimately you could potentially have your own unique third wave because you're going to have the only guy that's got those wavetables in it because you made them yourself. You know, Bob, really quick, why don't you give us a rundown on what the third wave is? I kind of jumped into it, but just give us a little rundown on, on the synth. Sure, sure. So um, I loved and still do love uh, PPG waves. Um, and of course, when I was a kid, probably none of us here could afford them. I certainly couldn't. Um, but I owned one for a little while in the early 90s. And, you know, after after PPG had gone out of business, they got inexpensive for just a little bit of time. <laughs> um, now they're back up to being expensive again. But there's something about that sound. And most people say aliasing. Well, it's actually as much imaging as aliasing. I'll explain that in a little bit. But that low notes that you get where it's got this kind of high and what it is, it's an image of the frequency response coming back around because... Wolfgang Palm did what he could, right, to make that PPG work back in the early 80s without DSP, without interpolation, without all the things that you would do now. He took a, you know, a chip and divided the clock and said, I'm going to make a wavetable synthesizer. And he, as far as I know, was the first one to put one out. So I'm going to say he invented wavetable synthesis. Anyway, what is the third wave? The third wave is what I imagined... Mr. Palm and PPG would have done if they would have stayed in business. This is a correct down to the whole processing chain um, redo of the PPG part, but that's only a little bit of what the synthesizer is. Um, it's also got modern day wavetable synthesis where you're uh, making a sound at 96 kilohertz. It's properly um, anti-aliased and all of that good stuff. As I just mentioned, it will make the wavetables for you. And the third mode that is in it is um, virtual analog. So it's got spline interpolated correctly anti-aliased analog modeling in there as well. So between the three of those choices that you've got for three different oscillators, you've got a three oscillator synth with 24 analog filters, and I'm saying 24 because it's a 24 voice, four part multi-timbral synthesizer with analog filters, with a couple of filters. You've got um, uh, the state variable filter as well as the analog low pass filters. And then uh, you've just got four LFOs, another couple of envelopes. You've got a six-stage uh, linear wave envelope that allows you to walk through. It's got all kinds of stuff. You could tie yourself in a knot just 
programming the thing. Um, and I don't mean programming it because it's hard. You can tie yourself in a knot programming the thing because one of our sound designers says, man, I start on this in the morning, Bob, and I lose hours at a time just trying all the possibilities. And I'm like, that makes me smile. That's, That's how you know you're onto something. Hey, Bob, I just want to tell you that that was probably the sexiest talk we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, just as you were describing that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Well, so, so the way that I found out about this, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. So Bob and I go way back. We've been friends for, oh, 13, 14 years now. It's been quite a while. We used to work together at Activision doing Guitar Hero stuff, um, which was really fun. Um, and I was over um, at Skylar King's house, who's an amazing electronic musician, uh, performer, and also the founder of Prism Circuits, which is a company that makes PCB boards to allow you to be able to do DIY Serge modules. We're, we'll, we'll have him on the show. But in any case, I w- we were there chit-chatting, and he said, you can't believe it, somebody, uh, somebody is making a new PPG wave. And I said, what? No. And he said, yeah, not only that, it's one of the guys from Dave Smith. And I said, is he like a tall skinny guy with like <laughs> light hair he said yeah here go check out the sonic state video and i pop up the video and of course there is bob sitting there showing the third wave and i was jumping for joy a because it's such a cool thing and b because it's bob doing it i was so happy and it's it sounds amazing anyone who hasn't seen this that's interested go check out the sonic state video because it goes on for about half an hour and the the part that blows my mind is bob's got his ppg wave and then he's got the third wave and he plays a note on the third wave and he plays a note on the ppg wave and they're pretty much indistinguishable and uh so it's 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 astounding and i can hardly wait to have one in my studio so Bob, when when is are you in production now or are you going into production or are you well, yeah, so as I said, we weren't meaning to show at NAM because we're not quite ready, but we're as ready as anything I've ever done with Dave or Sequential. And what I mean by that is we showed it at NAM, of course, and we're going to ship on August the 15th. Wow. So we're already starting to take um, pre-orders. What everybody saw at NAM and what Nick got to play at NAM and all of you, you know, that, that were playing on it, um, that is complete. So the hardware is done. Um, the only thing that we've got hanging at, up in the air are the sequencer, and the sequencer is pretty cool because normally um, on the sequential items or other ones, you usually get a step sequencer, which is cool, but this is a pattern-based sequencer like a, an MPC or a drum machine. So you've got patterns, you've got quantize that you can undo it or remember what you've done, and of course you've got a song mode where you can string them together. So that's got to get finished. We've already got everything in there for that except the song mode. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the, the ability to string them together yet. That's what uh, Andrew and I are still working on. And then the other one is the thing that I mentioned before which is the uh, the wavetable maker. There's a button on the front that says make waves and that works and if you look at the video you'll see it working but I've still got plenty of material that will fool it so it's not foolproof yet and we're trying to get it as foolproof as possible before it goes out the door. So, Wow, so we're close. Like you've got all the, the guts done. You're, we're just putting in a couple shelves and, you know, painting the outside before it, before it comes out. 
Yeah, actually, there are, I want to say there's about 10 of these in the field already. Um, and people are already using them to do stuff like, um, well, I, I can't mention names, but there's a couple people using them for television already. So <laughs> I, I have to gush about one more thing just because I have to. Bob, who is helping you doing the machine learning code for the third wave? Oh, yes. So... <laughs> I've got uh, twin boys uh, who are finishing their junior year in high school. One of them is totally into machine learning. I've been teaching him, and he's been also teaching me back because I am more of a C++ programmer than a Python programmer. Um, so he is helping us with the algorithm, that AI that I was just talking about, um, to make the, uh, to make the, the, the table, the wavetable maker work. And uh, he and I have both come up uh, together with the loss function that's in there that makes the thing work. So that's really cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Wow, that's great. Well, all I can tell you is when I when I saw that at the uh, at the NAM show, it was that was exciting. It was like, oh my goodness! And there was a lot of cool things, but to actually get to sit and play it, and and I love the knobs. I, I'm such a huge fan yeah. of just grabbing a knob and twisting because that's to me uh, that's where you can just go crazy and experiment and get weird sounds and just just you know just have at it, you know. And and that's what I, I love about it. I, I love that fact, you know. I have to jump in and say one other thing about the, the UI stuff. If you look at it, it is this powder-coated metal, and it's this gorgeous shade of blue. Um, everything about it is so nice and so detailed out. All of the buttons are really big, and they have a love, they're white with a lovely red LED when you activate them, and then there's a big OLED screen in the middle of it. I mean, it's just it's everything about it, you know, form and function are just awesome. Well, and of course, it's got the wave surfer knob. <laughs> so um, a lot of uh, a lot of what we've done at Sequential and what I've learned from Dave, you know, he he wants a knob. He he, he usually will s say to us, "There's no point in putting a knob on the synthesizer unless it does something immediate that you can hear." And of course, he um, on the Pro Three, we had the large filter cutoff knob, right? Well, I'm, I said, okay, we've got the filters on here, but this thing is a wavetable synthesizer. I want the wave surfer knob. So we've got this large knob that allows you to scan through the wavetables on all three of the oscillators at the same time. So you, you can think of it as that big filter cutoff knob, but in this, in this case, it's the big wave surfer knob. That is, that's cool. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to... to Oh, I can't wait to own one of them. <laughs> but what, by the way, what's the what's the list price? What is it going to be priced at? Yeah, so it is going for thirty seven ninety five. Um, we're going to do this as an introductory. It obviously, um, if you look at it and what it compares to and what's out there, it's it's kind of even though that's a large amount of money, it's kind of underpriced. No, it's and I can also. Well, I was just going to say, and I can also say it's underpriced given what we've got into it. But we want to get the name out there, of course. So, um, so yeah, it's going to go for thirty-seven ninety-five, and as we said, it will ship no later than August the fifteenth. 
I mean, for what it is and what it does and where it stands, I think it's really, it's priced fair, like you said. I mean, it could have easily come out, you know, for more. Um, well, but- it's it's a lot cheaper than a PPG Wave was. <laughs> well, you're not kidding. No. Yeah, yeah. Those those things are north of $10,000 now. In fact, I think well north of $10,000. Yeah, and they yeah. were not far from that in the 80s. I That's mean, they right. were like six or seven. Yeah. And, and I think what's going to happen is, obviously, when it comes out, you're going to get the people that are plug-in only and that are going to gripe and complain about paying real money for you know hardware. Which, they don't have to. You know what? They don't have to. And But in the long run, I think the key with these type of synths is... The people that are working, that are making music, that are making music for a living, whether they're composers or whatever, or sound designers, like you know the value right off the right off the bat. But these are the kind of things that you can buy and invest in, and they're kind of like your secret weapon, man. That's these are the the iconic pieces of gear that make your stuff sound just a little different than somebody else's stuff, you know. And that's that's the value of this. That's the value of good gear, whether it's good speakers, whether it's good, you know, pre amps, whatever, good gear just helps you be better at what you already do, you know? So I, I think it's gonna be great. And I, and like I said, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get mine, but, <laughs> and I don't say that about a lot of synths, but man, I played that one and it was great. Well, I'm glad you had a great NAM, and, um, you know, it, it's, I love stories like this and I love companies that are, are coming out and it just goes to show you that, you know, there's still innovation and you can keep moving forward. One thing I wanted to open up to you guys and, and, um, and Bob, you can chime in here. I didn't know if you got to walk the floor any, but did you see any misses? Like, did you see anything at NAM that made you like go, hmm? Because I'm going to lead off with this story and then I'll, I'll throw it, I'll open it up. So right across from 1010 Music, across and diagonal, there was this booth where this guy had a controller that had this long, think of an iPad if it was longer and thinner. So it's about four inches high and maybe um, 12 to 16 inches long. And he had it in this horrendous wood-shaped you know, thing. Um, and he had it like a keytar. So he had the screen that you could play with a keyboard on it. And then he had this little, um, like an XY pad that you could, you know, open and close filters and things like that. Um, and I looked at it and I looked at the screen and I looked at the product and it was a great example of, of manufacturing, not knowing where their gold is because he's selling this as a keytar and it had this little crazy little shape at the end that jutted out about five inches. And I was talking to him. I said, you know, desk space is so precious on my console that I love the idea of, of the controller, but the fact that it wastes this five inches because you can't put anything next to it. And he he goes, well, I wanted it to look cool, you know, for stage. And so he put a little flare on it and, and the thing that excited me about it was not the fact that he invented this modern keytar, but the fact that he had this screen that was touch sensitive that he could reprogram interfaces on. So he showed me it doesn't have to be a keyboard. It could be, you know, pads and it doesn't have to be pads. It can be a controller. And I said, that's the gold. The gold is the fact that you have this long touch, um, touch screen that you could play keys on it, but 
just imagine if you could design your own interface that it, now it's not a keyboard anymore. Now it's it's a virtual mixer, and now it's not a virtual mixer. It's a drum pad, or it's a it's a step sequencer. And that and to me, I was like, I didn't say this to him because obviously I'm not going to go and start shredding people in their booth. I'll just do it on a podcast. <laughs> Much nicer, man. <laughs> but but it's not no one. It's not no one. The gold. He like that is what he had. Like no one's going to buy a keytar. Like especially you know not if they don't want to be made fun of. You know, because that's just, you know, people make fun of that kind of stuff. But but I just thought, I was like, man, what a miss. And and he was pricing it at $2,500. Bucks. He goes, <laughs> it's $2,500. Yeah, and and there's only three in existence, and they're in my booth right now. And I go, oh, dude, yeah. they're going to be in your booth for a while. But I, if he only, like, took the money that he spent trying to get that shape and just put it into a little more R&D to bring the, the price down... I tell you, man, the screen and the interface that he had, because it worked as a, I played it, it worked as a keyboard. And then I, and I was like, this is not bad. This is, I would love to have that like underneath my laptop, something that I could just bring, have a little touch screen and it's a keyboard. Okay. Now it's, it's a mixing service. Okay. Now it's, it's pads. I want to, I want to do some um, drum beats. Anyhow, that to me was a, was a kind of a miss. And I, I just, it was one of those like, ugh. Poor guy. When he could have just designed it so that little handle thing flipped out if you wanted it, like you know, have it disappear. Yeah, yeah. It was, and for some reason, it was this weird little shape, this little pointy shape, and just the fact that he thought that was cool looking, I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, it was like, I don't know. It was, it Sometimes was, what happens at Nam stays at Nam. <laughs> exactly, but I don't know. Did you guys guys see anything weird or anything like that? Well, well you see, the thing is, though, that. Normally would be down in Hall E, yes. right? Right, there was, exactly. There's no Hall E this time, which I really missed. And then the the fact is, there are guys like that, manufacturers like that, that are spread out amongst everywhere else upstairs mm-hmm. instead of concentrated downstairs, where. Gee, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun when all the weird stuff is together. Yeah. Yeah, I got no Chinese microphones. I didn't buy anything at NAMM. This is probably one of the only NAMMs where I did not walk away with anything. And usually, at the very worst, I I load up on cables because the cable manufacturers don't want to ship all their cables back. So I go down to Hall E, and for five bucks, you're getting a, a couple XLR cables or a snake or something, but nothing. I actually, uh, I spotted something that's a trend and a miss, uh, maybe sort of like Bobby's AI thing. Um, one of the things I was down there to research was I'm, I'm working with a friend on a project that involves immersive audio and binaural recording and binaural monitoring and you know just sort of getting into that whole world. And so while we were down there, we basically sought out everybody who has any kind of HRTF solution you know, for headphone, for modeling your head uh, and headphones, all this kind of stuff. And booth after booth after booth... We heard stuff that all sounded exactly the same with these guys telling you stuff where I'm just standing there thinking, should I believe you or my ears? Mm. You know, I'm hearing one thing and you're telling me I'm hearing something different, but I'm actually not. And the truth is there still needs to be a quantum leap in that development. Basically, it's not so hard to fly things around behind you or off to the sides. But as soon as you put anything in front of you in that image, it collapses into your head. And there's all these manufacturers claiming to have solved it, and none of them have. But that was probably the most hooey I listened to at the show was people explaining to me why it sounded so amazing. But then when I listened, it sounded the same as everything else. (laughs) And that was kind of frustrating. And I just, we actually left the show thinking, you know what? 
there's still some leap that has to happen. And, and we think we, we may have to create that leap. And it has to do with as, as things get into the center of your field of, of listening, if they're moving, you get a better sense of where they are. But if you try to statically put something in front of you, it's going to just collapse into your head. And I think we may end up having to just sort of invent our own solution because mm. we, we listen to a lot of people who claim to have solved it in the head. You should talk to Andrew Sheps about that. Okay. Because a- Andrew has a way of using existing technology to get around that. Oh, well, I will. Yeah. I owe him a call anyway. So. <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, yeah, I've, I've done HRTF myself um, uh, work over the years. And I think the biggest problem so that would be great, and I will talk to you uh, later ab- about uh, potential solutions for that. Um, you can get the location if it's your own HRTF, right? If you've had a custom measurement done for your head, for your hair, for the size of your head and all that good stuff, you can usually locate things going around your head pretty well. Yeah, it's a lot better. It's a lot better if you've if you've done your own HRTF, but it's still right. Not but I would good. I would bet that you're going to tell me that all those companies that you looked at, they were using a generic HRTF. No, no, no. These were all do your own custom HRTF, and they had their own technologies for creating their HRTFs. Ah, okay. So no, we're talking about the custom realm. Well, I just realized my birthday's in a couple of days, and so Andrew's going to call me for that. So no, I will go. turn the birthday call yeah. into a hey, how about some. Uh, yeah. Happy Consulting. birthday. Oh, thank you. Well, how about some <laughs> custom HRTF hardware for my birthday? Yeah, no, I, I would like to pick his brain. I, I've actually owed him a call. Well, for I will a while. tell you this. And um, when you're mixing Atmos and you're down mixing binaurally and you want to get a good image out in front of you, a lot of the mixers, first of all, don't use any of the beds. They use object only. Right. And then um, a lot of the guys, one of the things that they do is they create their own reverbs based on... They create their own master bus reverb based on mono reverbs individually for the channels that they can place out, and that provides them the distance that they need on on some of the mixes. And these are like some of the big boys who've mixed things like Billie Eilish and mixed, you know, some of the some of the bigger things. So there's, I think, I think the companies that are trying to sell you, you know, their solution, I think they're just not informed or haven't dove into the the Atmos mixing on a on a deeper level. No, they have. Trust me, they have. Because, they, yeah, I don't want to get into all the names and stuff, but okay. yeah, these are people deeply, deeply embedded with the core of this industry. And just, that's interesting. And, and it's getting better and better, and there are definitely tricks you can do, but nobody claiming to solve it has solved it as well as they're claiming to have solved it. Well, that, that could be true too. And uh, for our, for our uh, application, it has to be really, really, really accurate. So that's, that's why we're having to be so picky about it. Interesting. Well, that's, you know, along the same level as, as what you're talking about, you know, Sony came out with their 360 audio um, and, and I looked at it and I, and I just, it looks cool. They had a great video, that whole thing. But in my mind, I just wanted to go, why? <laughs> there are some flaws in that system. I sat there for a while with them, and they admitted, with actually the designer who admitted there were several flaws, one being there's no LFE. You well, that's a problem. cannot send to an LFE. But there are, are multiple things 
Uh, that being said, I, I haven't used it, but I've talked to several mixers who have that said it, they're, it's incredibly easy as compared to Atmos. Hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, well, and you've got you've got Facebook 360 as well. So a lot of this would be um, you've got Atmos, as you said, um, but you've also got Ambisonics, which can also go a long way towards solving the same problem. Yeah. Well, I, I I look at Sony and and I Sony tends to do this. They like if everybody's going left, 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 then they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna do a right, right? That's that's just the the history of them. Whatever format they just Sony does Sony. But when you look at like Atmos and the adoption by Apple Music of Atmos and their spatial audio and Amazon and yeah and Amazon and the fact that the hardware now on the consumer is so easy to get it with their headphones and also with like um, the Sonos soundbar and things like that it's like man that's just going to be a tough nut to crack it's like to try to compete with that because the the um i mean atmos has got it locked up and you know yes it's it's difficult but at the same time once you jump into it it it's it's it, yeah, it's but, doable. No, Dolby Atmos is great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's object only. No, no, I understand. That's what I'm saying. There's other there's other ways to skin that cat that will work maybe even better. But I'll leave it at that. The, the thing about Sony, though, is they have the record label. Yeah. So that's what's pushing it along because yeah. they're they're cranking out mixes for their label. They've got a platform. Yeah. And the problem is, and it's starting to happen everywhere. The price f- to the mixer per track is coming down, 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 down. It's kind of like the 5.1 days. I, I remember all of a sudden, like somebody turned a switch, and you're doing three times the work for a third of what yeah, you're making before, exactly. and that's starting to happen. Then what they're doing, instead of hiring someone like Andrew, they're going and they're saying, uh, "Oh, I I heard you had a." a you have a home studio. Okay, here's $500. Do a bunch of mixes for us. Mm-hmm. And then they get turned out generically, you know, in a day. And that's what kind of ruins the perception when people listen and go, that sucks. Well, yeah, it's because they didn't have anybody that was really good doing it. Right. It's still only as good as the yeah. the ears doing it. I, let me tell you, there are some amazing mixers out there. I, yeah. I worked with PMC, so they had a bunch of different mixers come in and talk. And so I got to hear a bunch of different mixes. And, man, some of these guys are so good. The, the guys over at Capitol, Steve Jenowick and Nick yeah. and those guys, Man, they are so good. They are so good. And and I learned a lot just listening to these guys. Like a lot of them don't use beds. They do yeah, not use beds. Right, yeah. It's all objects. Because and and this made a lot of sense because objects, um, beds can move depending on the monitoring set setup that you have, but yeah. objects stay fixed in space. And and I thought that was genius. But that, you have to use a bed in order to get the LFE. Yes, exactly. So you run your LFE through the bed, yeah. and that's it. That's the only thing they run through their bed. Everything else is object, which is kind of how I started mixing anyhow. So I just, yeah. because I didn't know. <laughs> so I just kind of mixed that way. But but now that that's the way they do it, it kind of makes sense. And then once they started talking about their templates, and they started talking about their reverbs and, and model reverbs and things like that, it was just, man, There's you can get a lot of information from NAM, and that was that's what was one of the great things about it. They all so, learned it from you, Mike. You just didn't know. <laughs> You didn't know that. Uh, I've got a couple of pretty good misses. Okay. Um, the and they're totally different from each other. 
the first one is the um, Rhodes Company. So somebody went and spent a lot of money to get the Rhodes trademark, which is wonderful. And so what are they doing? Why, they're building Fender Rhodes electric pianos, which is also wonderful. Until you get to the price, which is like eight, nine, ten thousand. Wait, wow, what? Is that, is that how much they are? Yeah, I saw that booth. Yeah, eight. You know what I liked about them though? They had the effects built in. All sure. The, all the effects that you normally have pedals for, you know, the normal stuff. It's all built in, which I thought was brilliant. They're great. They're great. You know, it, it's wonderful, but I paid three hundred dollars for my Rhodes, oh, yeah. and it still works perfectly. <laughs> wait, wait, eight? Now, is it is it time based? Is it like the same technology? Yeah, no, it's the same thing. And they're wanting. I mean, I will I will confirm. No, that no, no I, talking, I, I'm not doubting you. That was what I thought it was. I'm yeah. just I'm blown away that but, it's that much. But if you think about it, just from a manufacturing perspective. It, it probably has to be like that. No, it's I, it's, I, it's I, very, you know, it's a mechanical, it's me- an electromechanical device. That's right, and I, I'm, I'm sure you can't automate a lot of that stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, you got to tune each and every little time, you know, with the little spring that you slide up and down. Yeah. Wow, that's. Whew, that's Is a, it the same company that was showing the stuff in like 2019 and 20? No, so it, it switched hands again. Switched hands again, as I understand, there was a. Someone has a bunch of dough that's that's a um, aficionado mm-hmm. that already had a bunch of them that decided, well, this cannot die. And it was dying on the vine with the previous company, which is like the previous company, which is like the previous company. Right, right. So I have to give it to them. At least they're trying hard, and, and they're, you know, they've come out with something that does work. Wow. Oops. Uh, make, I just went to the website. You got, because somebody had told me you could get them as high as twelve grand. Yeah, I believe it. I just went to. It looks like their default price is ninety four fifty, and then you can change out the colors. And okay, the, to their credit, so, and I'm only going to give them just a little credit. They're gorgeous looking. Interesting. Yeah, they're yeah, beautiful. They, are, they, are. <laughs> yeah. they better be. <laughs> I mean, I, when I saw that, I was like. Oh man, that is just gorgeous. Now I would never get one. Are you kidding? The the problem slash awesome thing about Rhodes is that unlike a Wurlitzer electric piano, of which I have two, um, the Rhodes is really built to last. I mean, they really, really, really oh. did it right. It's very hard to damage that thing. You have to hit it so hard that you break a hammer, and there are replacement hammers that you can get. But it's get. built like a tank, and also it weighs like one. Oh, yes. of course it does. They're so uh, heavy. That's why They're I stopped so gigging with one when I was eighteen heavy. and bought a DX7 instead. <laughs> Every time just I, as good. when I used to keyboard tech, every time I would ask for an equipment list, I was just crossing my fingers that would there were Rhodes. no roads. I would rather deal with a Leslie and an organ yeah. than a Rhodes. <laughs> the Rhodes carriers for those. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Rhodes were just giant pieces of metal that were anchors, and they're just so he- they were so heavy. That's all I remember. The but I yeah, have I the. I, oh, sorry. What were you going to say, Bob? No, no, I was going to say I had a Rhodes in my uh, living room for many, many years with the, you know, with the speaker amp underneath it. Mm-hmm. And when we moved, that was the one thing that nobody wanted to touch. It's such a beautiful instrument. I mean, just like anything, you no, have to keep gorgeous. it up. Yeah. You have to find somebody who really knows how to be able to manage it. But if you do, I mean, the action is 
okay. The world's for actions I like a lot better, but the sound can't be beat. I mean, it's the sound of Herbie no, Hancock. It's no, the sound of it's the instant it's amazing. ballad. You play, play anything on a road slow, and it's a ballad. What, what <laughs> was the other gorgeous. thing? Oh, the other thing uh, is Bob uh, also uh, works at Apple, and so uh, this is going to be. I'm not not wailing on you, throwing shade on you. Um, I am so upset because I just got a brand new MacBook Pro. You know the new M1 Max Pro. You know, absolute top of the line for work. And I knew that I was going to have all sorts of software problems and I was going to lose a million plugins, which I did. Um, but that wasn't the thing that threw me. The thing that threw me was that my Apogee Symphony Thunderbolt totally beautiful sounding wonderful audio IO no longer functions. It is now a beautiful doorstop. And the reason why is... Is, and this is what I learned at the show by talking to the Apogee people. The reason why is because Apple has shut down the ability for third-party manufacturers to use texts um, and to be able to install them within the system. Bob, I'm sure you know about that much better than I do. But the point being that the only way you can now install a device driver for that unit and from what I from what he said, any other Thunderbolt-based um, audio interface is you have to reboot the Mac in like special recovery mode and then go in and lower the uh, security level to allow it to be able to Which do that. Which has been the case actually for a while with some hardware for them. I didn't know that had happened with the just Thunderbolt in general and the new ones. That's, that's what that's, Apogee told me. That's like to be able to use certain solid state drives, you used to have to do that same thing. That's their way of... No, and I, 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 I don't love that about, you know... I, Apple's a big company, and I don't know sure. what the left and the right hand are doing. But as you just said, there is a workaround. Thank goodness. So The workaround doesn't work if you work for a very large company that is also paranoid about security and oh, doesn't want right. you to be able to go in and change the security level. And in fact, will not let you go in and change the security level of your Mac. So wow. it's now a doorstop. Well, Does Apple have a way to bless hardware and then make it work? Apogee said they're going to they're developing something to fix the problem. So maybe this is a short because that did happen with solid state drives where everything became more compatible as time went on. Maybe 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 there's hope. I I won't throw it away. It's a beautiful (laughs) setting. So well, and and Nick, I apologize, but that one I I couldn't speak to even if you held a gun to my head. Wouldn't ask you to about that. I get it. (laughs) Well, that you know, like to wrap up the whole Nam thing. I was really glad that I went. It's good to to just to see everybody. That was the best thing about it is to yeah. see. Like I love. I ran into Bobby twice. You know, just walking in the aisles and and hanging out with you, and then seeing Rob. It was just. It's. It was. It reminded me of the the good old days. And I'd be curious to see how many of those companies that didn't show this year show up next year because there's this whole thing about you know are these kind of conventions even you know necessary? And there's you know some companies are rethinking. And I understand it's not cheap to show at a show. It's you know, and you have to, you know, hit a certain price point in sales to justify being there. But at the same time, I'm with Bobby in that you didn't miss the vendors that weren't there. And I think if the vendors did show up, um, I think it, it says a, a, just a different kind of statement about them and about where they are and, and who they are. And, and well, we can ask forward. a vendor right here. Bob, was it don't give us the number, but was it expensive to, to show at NAMM? It was expensive, but I, I, you know, because I've always done it with sequential, I didn't have, um, you know, I, I didn't know 
how much it was or wasn't. But given that little pl- space that we were in, yeah, it was fairly expensive. Mm. But as you just said, Mike, um, you were glad you went. In retrospect, we weren't going to go, but I'm certainly glad we went. And and we, if, if you want to wrap up Nam, I'll wrap up Nam the way Nam wrapped up for me. Right at the end, we were about to pack up our third wave and uh, the, the one that was out in the booth. We, we'd already sold the one that was up in the hotel room. And who walks up but world famous Michael Boddicker. Uh, and right. he says, I want that unit. And I said, as long as you can deal with the fact that it's, you know, that, that we're going to have to give you updates because it's not 100% complete yet, we can sell it to you. And we, yeah. So Michael Boddicker has one, according to his wife, in his living room right now. <laughs> so that is excellent. That was, you know, th- this is the guy who I've been listening, you know, to keyboard uh, lines and stuff like that all the way back to what the late 70s and you know my kids grew up listening to Michael Jackson little CDs and they listen to PYT and I'm like yeah I just met the man that did that line and he bought our synthesizer right there on the spot (laughs) (laughs) you know what that's it that's what it's all about and and you know sometimes it's you can't you can't put on a spreadsheet the benefits of some of these things. The relationships and, and, and the friendships yeah. are priceless. And so, um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was, it was a great time. It was good to see everybody. So, um, oh, just sorry, one quick thing, Bob, you know, now that means you're going to have to show at Synthplex in October, right? I'm sure Michael told you about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I would, I would love to. So yes, we'll, we'll see you there. <laughs> um, now we're going to segue to um, Dave Smith, and and actually, it's like I said, it's actually pretty appropriate that we're going to be talking about Dave because um, I met Dave years and years and years ago with Rob. We went to a Dave Smith dinner um, that was at a Chinese restaurant that was you know down the street from Nam, and then. Afterwards, we went to, and we've told the story on the podcast before. We went to this bus that was parked in the parking lot over at the uh, at the Nam show, and they had a jam session with this amazing organist. And it was just it, the funny thing was is not only were we there, and I was there with with Larry Dropa, you know, the president of uh, owner of API, and Rob, and but also um, Andrew McGowan was there. And we didn't even like know each other at that time. I mean, obviously you did. I, but, I knew them, yeah. But I didn't know who they were. And, and it was just, this was years ago. And we actually kind of got in contact with Joanne and Andrew because we mentioned it on a podcast. And Andrew was like, hey, I remember that, you know? Anyhow, to make a long story short, that's the very first time I, I met Dave. And, and I had always seen Dave at the NAMM show. And I knew who Dave was. And... And when I actually got to meet him um, and actually got to talk to him, that was a, that was a big thrill. But the biggest thrill that I had with, with Dave is when I came back um, the next year and, and he remembered my name. You know, and it wasn't just because he read my <laughs> my badge, because <laughs> my badge was lit, but he knew who I was, and that was the biggest thrill. And we've had Dave on on we had Dave on the podcast um, a couple times, and when he, the Prophet X came out, he we were one of the first podcasts for him to to talk about it. And then um, when we started doing Spaces, um, our very first episode, we went up and we I got to interview Dave, and I got to spend some time at the at their little showroom where they have. Every synth that that 
they made and and I got to go to his office where I saw his Prophet Five and his Prophet Ten and um, it was great and and it was just he was such a friendly guy and and one of my highlights of just getting to know him was when you know we went to the 40th anniversary of uh, of the Prophet Five and they had a big party and I went up there and um, Dave was there and you know Dave was talking about tequila and they had this little tequila bar and. And they had some Clase Azul, which was amazing. And and it was just, he was just so kind and so friendly and so generous. And um, we got bottles of his sequential wine, you know, mm-hmm. talk about there's a, there's a, uh, you know, a, a limited run there. And I don't know, I just, he was, he was so nice. And he was, every time, you know, he, he meets, you know, he met hundreds of people all the time. Everybody wants to talk to Dave. And, but every time you spent time with him, you felt like you were the only person that, that had ever met him. He made you feel so special. So, and here's this, this synth God, this guy who created MIDI and, and, you know, I wouldn't have my career that I have now without MIDI. Um, and it was just, he was just so great. It was so great to see him all the time. And, and, you know, we met Joanne and we met Andrew through Dave and and actually Dave, we met Dave through them, but the whole thing, he brought us all together. And so, you know, when I found out he passed away, that was such a gut a gut punch because it really you know it's just talk about losing just a titan and he was so active like he was working on keyboards and he was just had his 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 uh, his finger in so many projects it was not you know he was not a, a passive owner he was he was very active and and anyhow i just wanted to, to open it up you know and and just you know if anybody wants to just, you know, share some reflections and, and Bob, why don't we start with you? Because you worked close to him. Yeah, I yeah, know. I mean, and if, if, if you guys hear me get choked up, I've already had a couple of good cries. It's but, okay. Uh, it's really yeah. okay. He, you talk about a gut punch. Yeah. Um, so Dave, of course, had uh, uh, sold the company. Um, I feel terrible that he only got to enjoy the benefits of having sold the company for basically a year and now he's gone. Um, but, uh, the general manager now that's, that's uh, working under focus, right? He called us and, uh, he told me, you know, I was eating lunch and he told me, I hate to tell you this, Bob, but Dave just passed away. And I think I fell out of my chair. I could not believe it. He was only 72, but as you just said, so I'm not going to be sad about it. I want, I want to tell you how I met him and what a fabulous human being he was. Um, it's, it's just like what you said. He, he had this knack. There were, there were two things that stick out the most for me, for, for Dave. I've known him for the last um, slightly over a decade because I got involved with him uh, before the Prophet 12 and I did the DSP on the Prophet 12 and then we started, you know, we worked from there forward. Um, and he always was the most, well, to this day, I've not met another engineer that is more practical and that is more good at holding the feature creep than he is. He knows exactly what he wants. He's got this really great intuition on what something should be and what it shouldn't be. That's the, that's the other key here. And you know, what exactly we're going to do. And then he does not, his other big thing in life, 
is, and I wish we could all learn that, he doesn't sweat the small stuff. Um, you know, I'm an engineer. I sweat the small stuff um, and sometimes too much. He's an engineer. He doesn't sweat the small stuff. He, he gets through it. He's very practical. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to release. This is why we're going to do it. The only way we're going to put more things in here is if it's worth doing. And you've got to prove to me that it's worth doing. And that was, that was his, his MO and I loved him for it as far as learning from him. So what I'm talking about now is how great was he as a designer and how great was he also as a businessman? Um, there's, there's many businesses I've been in, we've all probably worked for them where you're micromanaged and everything and every dime is looked at and this, that, and the other. He wasn't like that. Um, he, he, he he was he was great not only as a designer but but as a a, a businessman as well, um, and uh, I would not as you said you would not be here um, potentially without him. I really would not be here. I'd be doing DSP for sure. I've been doing DSP you know for many years and did it for many years at Digidesign and I love pitch and time stuff and all that. But it was really Dave that cemented my love of synthesizers. And even though I've provided a huge amount of DSP for Sequential, Dave has provided a huge amount of background for me on how synthesizers work and what they're supposed to do and hardware and all of that. So he, yeah, he, he is a real mentor and it, it kills me mostly that here he was gonna finally get to see the third wave in the flesh and he passes away a week ahead of time. That was the, I mean, it, it was a great nam, as we just were saying, because of, the, you know, what happened with the third wave. But it was really bittersweet because I'm like, oh, I can just hear Dave and I could see him down here playing it and he's not here. And that was that was just rotten. Um, but he, I, I mean, I can tell you anecdote after anecdote about uh the way he ran the company and, um, and, and again, not to beat a dead horse, but it really came down to practicality and, you know, what did you need to do to make a product, a product and don't, you know, don't then go ahead and polish on it and go further and do a bunch of other stuff and never get the thing out, do it, make it great and go on and go on with, with what the next thing is. And he just had a knack for that that like nobody I've ever met um, before or since. So, Bob, there's a, I, there's a lovely saying. And I don't remember I've said, if I've said this on the podcast, but I think this really epitomizes what you just mentioned, and that's real artist's ship. Uh, okay. That, that totally, what yeah. you just said, Nick, fits him to a T. Real artist ship. He was great at that. He was great at that, um, and uh, you know, he was also very loyal. You mentioned uh, knowing um, or meeting Andrew and Andrew and Joanne. Andrew worked for him back when Sequential was around in the seventies. He worked from the first time around. Um, Denise, his wife, who I love dearly. Um, she, she's known Dave, of course, also since the first and, and unless I'm badly mistaken, she was an employee there the first time around. Um, so he's, he's very loyal. Um, but 
as you just said, he just he really knows how to get things done and and is just the most practical engineer that I've ever met. Well, his legacy of keyboards and the fact that he has so many great products out there. Like when Dave Smith started up Dave Smith, you know, as Dave Smith after he, he you know, left sequential and went the whole that route and came back to Dave Smith, you know, he starts bringing out products and and they just keep coming out consistently and he yeah. comes out with his keyboards and he comes out with this different, you know, the, the different profits and and, yeah. and that's that just says a lot because there's so many companies that have such a hard time bringing one product out to market, let alone, you know, all these different synths and and I just, you know, there's some great leadership when i went and saw visited the office over at uh, in north beach it was such a cool vibe it was just really you can just tell sometimes you can walk into a business and you can tell by the vibe of the business you know what it's like and over there they were just nothing but just coolness you know well yeah and he he really he really loved life as, as you said the key let everything else he had a house right up from where the office was um, if you guys remember the movie Bullet from the 60s, he oh, had yeah. a house where one of those scenes shows the Mustang flying down the hill. He loved life, and yeah, he really took it by the horns. And uh, as you said, he he was a really great manager. He, he, he knew when to get into it, and he knew when to stay out of it. Um, and, and, you know, how to get things done, as you said. And I should point out, because probably if, if people are wondering what in the world is going on with this groove synthesis thing, this was something that was a passion project for me, and I'd run it by Dave. You know, I said, would you be interested in doing something um, with, a, uh, with a, not a redo of the PPG, but what it would have been? And he said, Bob, um, I'm not personally interested in it, but I know you know how to do it, so run with it. And so that's, he, he's, a, he's a great guy there too, in that it wasn't like, you know, you could have, he could have very well stood in the way and said, are you kidding me? You know, you're not going to do that. But he knew that I've always given him all of the the, the DSP that I've given him um, kind of as open source because he is who he is. And he, he said the same thing. I've taught you a lot, Bob. If you want to go with that, run with it. And he was he was just a he's just a, a fabulous person in that way. Bob, you said you did the DSP for the Prophet 12. Yeah, that was my first one. Um, so I got one. I got to tell you a story about the Prophet Twelve. So you know, at the end of the Prophet line, the Prophet Twelve line, they made a hundred of the white ones. You know, yes. they made a hundred. I own serial number one hundred of the. I own the last Prophet Twelve. And Dave signed it, so I have a. I, Dave signed that, and I was actually. It's just. It makes my heart just swell with pride for just even more so now, you know, because it's a little bit of Dave's in my studio all the time. And then I bought the Prophet X um, when they went to show it over at Nam. I, I bought the one that they had there, um, and Dave signed that to me, and he signed mm. it personally to me. So both of my sequential synths Dave signed, but when I see the the Prophet X, it you know it has Mike with a with a 
an exclamation point on it, and then it says Dave Smith, and it, that's just it's just right there, right in my studio. I see it every day, and so that's so yeah, funny. It, I, I think I've got the white one, so I bought the white one as well, um, and I. Th- think I've got serial number two. I've got to check it. It's over in Riley's room. But um, I, I like to think that I, I I coaxed him into it. I know it was really Taylor Swift because she had a couple of custom ones made that were white. But when they got to the end, I always, I've always loved Fairlight. And I'm like, man, it would be great if you did some white ones. And, and, and they did, they did some white ones. And I got to say also, because you mentioned Prophet X a couple times now, that's a really underrated keyboard. Totally. That that keyboard, um, man, you can do so much with it, um, including, uh, you know, not only all the samples, but including the analog modeling that's in there as well. Um, it's got the the you know, it, it's also got all the uh, analog filters and all the that that back end. But it's just a great synthesizer, and uh, yeah, that- I, I'm. That's a secret weapon synthesizer, especially if if you're a sound designer and you, you do your own samples and you throw it in there and then you tweak the bejeebies out of it. Like people are going to be like, how did you get that sound? And you're just not going to say a thing, you know, because it's a secret weapon. It's one of those things. But man, that's great. Well, I'm glad your DSP work on the 12 was, was really good, by the way. <laughs> no, thank you. But but my favorite one, the full realization of what the 12 was, was the Pro 2. Yeah. The Pro 2, we got some more DSP horsepower and i was able to do what i wanted to do with the pro the the profit 12 on the pro 2 so that's another that's another uh one of those that if you can pick them up used find them but talking about dsp and dave um of course dave uh they built the fabulous uh profit vs back in the day right Right. that hasn't come back out yet um, but when we got to the Pro 3, the Pro 3, that third oscillator, that's actually an abbreviated version of what's in the third wave. Hmm. Um, it, 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 uh, and that, that was a long conversation I had with Dave while I was on vacation in Tennessee. Um, and he was determined that wasn't what they should maybe put in there. But, but uh, we talked and talked and, and, and yeah, talked it through. But, but uh he yeah he's he's a great guy in that not only um you know is he practical and all that stuff that i've already said but he will be the first to admit when he doesn't understand something and will will you know sit and listen till he does and and that's you know just a a a great guy that we're all gonna very much miss i can still hear him um, he, of course, is the final word in the design meetings, and I can still hear, you know, everybody saying, it's got to do this, it's got to do that, it's got to do this. Nah, let's make it simple. It's only got to do this. And I can hear him saying that, you know. In fact, that right after I got off the phone, after um, after the, the general manager called us, that was going through my head. I could hear him saying that. Make it simple, keep it simple, get it done. Wow. Well, you know, we're we're slowly running out of time, but I just want to open it up to, you know, I know Rob, I know you knew Dave really well. And yeah, he was a really, really good friend. And I've been doing the math. I think I knew him for about 30 years. Wow. And maybe longer. I'm not actually sure, but um, I've been friends with Andrew and Joanne forever. Uh, 
I mean, I moved out here in 85 and they're some of the first people I met, I think. Andrew definitely was. Um, I think the first project I actually did with and for Dave was, um, a, it was the first virtual synthesizer, as far as I know, called Reality. And yeah. I, I wrote all the demo music for it. And it was uh, when Intel was coming out with the MMX chip. This is like right. the late 90s. And they were going to use reality as one of their demo pieces at the big trade show where they were unveiling this new CPU. And I wrote that music, uh, and I was coordinating with, with Andrew McGowan and with Dave. <clears throat> so I think that's the first professional project. And I looked it up. That was 97 that came out. Wow. <laughs> so we were probably working on it in like 95, 96. But, I mean, I never actually worked... Uh, worked with Dave, you know, like for his company. We were just really great friends. I used to always bring Stevie Wonder by his booth at NAM and cause all kinds of chaos. But I've had many adventures with Dave and Denise. We've had amazing dinners in many, many cities and many special occasions. Like I just thought of him as a really great friend. He'd been to my house numerous times. He used to bring new new gadgets over. Like he would be driving down to NAM and he'd stop at my place on the way to show me the new stuff. And yeah, he was just a great friend and it was a real shock uh, to yeah. get the news. But I have many, many, many happy memories. The only thing I'll say real quick that is, is there's nothing good about him dying. Absolutely nothing. But the great thing that you just said is that he did revive Dave Smith instruments. Yeah. And he knows that everybody loved him. So yeah. that, that much I will say, because, you know, uh, Mr. Oberheim hasn't owned his name in years now, right? And, and he, he hasn't felt that love. I'm so glad at NAMM that he did feel that love. Yeah. But I know that Dave knew how treasured he was by everybody. And, uh, you know, that really has come to fruition in the last, you know, I think from the Prophet 08 on, People just, oh my God, this is the guy that did this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he was and, very humble about it, but he definitely knew that people appreciated him. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's how you want to live your life. You don't want, you know, uh, you don't want it to be um, a tribute after he's gone and he never realized it. But sure. that, that is, that, again, there's nothing good about him passing away, nothing. But at least I can say he knows how much he was loved. Yeah, that's and he was honored so many times for the anniversary of MIDI and the anniversary of various products he had done. Like that's one of the things I used to see him at a lot was you know it's the 25th anniversary of MIDI, it's the 30th anniversary, it's the 35th anniversary of MIDI. (laughs) You know, he he knew that he had had a major impact on the world. He was just such a humble guy. Like other people had to say all this cool stuff about him because he would never brag, but he knew the people appreciated. He was so good at. At making you feel like I totally gush whenever I talked to him, I was gushing because it's like he's like how my, could you not? He's, like, he's my superhero, right? Yeah. And so, and and I I have this one picture where I'm posing, you know, and I have my arm around him, and and he's pointing at me, and that that was just so Dave. He's like deflecting all this admiration that he had. He's like sharing the. It, it's just such a special picture, and it's just so him. He just he's such a humble guy. Um, before we wrap up, um, Bobby, did you know? Well, did you? No, I didn't. You would have hated him. He was a, he was a <laughs> terrible guy. <laughs> well, and it, 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 I'm sorry. It's funny that you said this, though. Uh, uh, Bobby, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But Mitty is another prime example of, of Dave at his best because sequential didn't make a lot of money off of Mitty. 
this was an open source. Yeah. Let's yeah. make synthesizers talk to each other. Let's do the world a favor and make things work. That's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. Well, and he, he was the first to say the reason they made more money from it is because then you could buy two synths instead of one and hook them together. Yeah. So it was it was you know an excuse to sell more synths because you could hook them together easily. But which it, could was be a, it could be a sequential in a Yamaha. Yeah, or but a, still, uh, but right. yeah, that was his good nature was giving it to the world. Yeah. But the original idea was a very smart business decision. How about you, Nick? Do you want to say anything? Of course. Uh, you know, just like all of you, I, you know... I first, I first didn't believe it because I thought he'd be around forever, and then I felt nauseous, and then I cried, and then I texted with you guys a whole lot, and emailed Joanne immediately, and all of that, and it was just, it was just so hard because I thought he was going to be around forever because, as you said, Bob, he was only seventy-two. You know, I didn't think. Um, I will, I will tell one lovely Dave Smith story, and I don't remember if this happened on the podcast or it happened separately from that. Um, I was gushing to him, and I was so proud because I had taken my Pro 1 that I'd had since the 80s and completely stripped it down, completely redid it, recapped it, cleaned everything, made it absolutely sparkling new, put a new keyboard bed into it, and the whole thing. And I was like, Dave, I managed to get my Pro 1 all working perfectly again. And he said, uh, you know, he said something to the effect of, oh, well, yours is better than mine. I sure haven't had time to go and do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was very funny. I just, it's, you know, I feel very fortunate that in my life I've, you know, met Bob Moog on many occasions. I've met Dave Smith on many occasions. Um, I, you know, when I was at Mills, I saw Don Buchla all the time. Like I'd see him every week. Um, and I really feel like, I really feel, I, I really feel like Dave has, uh, you know, gone and joined the Pantheon of the giants up in the sky. Well, and, and as I had just said, he, thank goodness knows he was loved, but everybody you just mentioned, Nick. Yeah. They're all gone. We've still got another great who I just had mentioned. got to see at, at Nam. Yeah, yeah. Tom Oberheim. So I am so glad that now he's starting to feel, um, some of that love, that well-deserved love that, uh, that, you know, he's, he's another one of the legends, right? So we've, we've got Dave and it's, I mean, oh my God, I'd give anything to have him back, but we've still got Tom Oberheim. So, and Dave Rossum for that matter, actually. Dave Rossum. Yes, you're right. There, there, there are, yeah, there are definitely legends still among us that we should treasure. For sure. Wow. You know, I don't think I could wrap it up any better than that. You know, there are definitely legends that are among us that we should treasure. And Dave was was a great guy and he was a friend of the podcast. And I'm just so glad we had him on when we did. And I got to know him. And um, yeah, this world's just a little less without him. For sure. But um, the good thing is, is his products will be with us. His technology is with us. And um, it's it's going to inspire some great music so all right well hey man uh that was a that was a that was a a really good podcast and um we're gonna have to wrap it up but before we go um rob are you working on anything you can talk about are you still in the i can't talk about it phase oh i'm just gonna let it go with uh let's let everybody go out on thinking about dave that's that's great fair let's do that yeah i like that idea that's actually 
really good idea. Yeah. Except I got to, I want to thank Bob for joining us for sure. You know, thank you, and Bob. Bob, thank you for joining us and, and telling us some great stories about Dave. And, and actually, um, I'm going to plug third wave because I think people should definitely um, take advantage of the fact that you're here and you're producing some really great, great um, synthesizers and you're part of the Dave Smith tree. So in some ways, you know, he's still with us because we've got engineers like you that, that, that he's worked with and they're following in, in his footsteps and making great instruments. So I just want to appreciate you and what you're doing and, and wish you nothing but success. No, and thank you. And and thank you, Dave Smith, if we're going to end on that note, because we should. Thank you, Dave Smith, because I wouldn't be doing it without him. Um, uh, so, yeah, I am so glad I got to know that gentleman for the last decade. And, uh, y- you know, you've got to soak up every minute with him. So it, it, it's, yeah, it's sad that he's gone. But you're right. We're going we're gonna to continue on with, um, with more great synthesizers. And great. with that, I'm going to put a big grin on my face with more great synthesizers. That's right. You know what? Dave would want it that way, 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to thank everybody for listening. If you have any comments or questions, you could reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Or check out our Facebook page. But from myself and all the guys here, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. And I usually say something flippant here, but what I'm going to end with is the NAM show will never be the same without the dynamic trio of Dave, Andrew, and you, Joanne. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbitier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time.